came from Matthew, when it talks about a light, don't put it under a bushel, a city set up on a hill, you are the salt of the earth. And they went one direction, and that was, you always have to be an obvious Christian. You know, don't hide your Christianity, make it really obvious. Go out there and evangelize in the high school gyms and such, because that will never go poorly. Um, it, 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 um, it never, it always went that one way. But Luke, God bless him, and I say that uh, not lightly, but very, very seriously. He takes it and really Judaizes it, uh, which is more likely the way Jesus would have meant it. When he says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, or the word here is really hard. It can mean um, generous. It can mean, um, uh, it can mean uh, open. Uh, it can mean single. I guess what we would say is if your eyes are doing the right thing, would probably be the best I could do. If they're watching the right, if you've got your eyes where their eyes need to be, you're, uh, you're, when your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light, but when they're unhealthy, and I don't like the NIV's use of words healthy and unhealthy here. Um, I'm a big fan of the, NR, uh, the um, NIV, especially the 2011 update. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a very big fan, but it doesn't mean that every single word choice they use, I, I prefer. Um, I, I'm not sure what I would do here except leap into paraphrase, frankly. So my criticism of them might be um, ill thought out in that they're trying to translate and I would have jumped into a paraphrase. So fair enough. Your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. So instead of using this as evangelism, Luke has Jesus turning this in on yourself. We, we used to sing a song um, when I was in Bible school. Boy, I don't remember how long ago this would have been, but I must have been very small. Uh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Do you remember that one? I'm getting a couple nods, and most people are, are not turning on your video. We'd like to see you. Um, if, if we scream in horror, then go ahead and black it out again. But um, try to remember, waist up, waist up, and angle this because we really don't need to do a sinus examination. Uh, I was in a meeting this week with, the, it was basically nose hair tunnels. And I was just going, really? You know, how do, how do you tell people? I, I really don't need that. Anyway, moving on. Probably didn't encourage a person, look at that, to turn on their video. Not a one. So now we know what you're like. Um, Turning it inside, where are your eyes? Where are your eyes looking? My wife and I don't do the, um, uh, the cable thing anymore. We cut all that. We have a, um, a great internet connection and we watch a lot of British shows. So we have BritBox and Acorn on there. And because we ship with Amazon, <laughs> we have Amazon Prime. We find that that keeps us busy. But after the last couple of series we've looked at, which were well done, uh, very well acted, no gratuitous language or, or, um, or nudity or the like in there. But all of them were rather dark. And we finished one last night. And we just kind of looked at each other. And it finished on an up note, a surprise, out of nowhere. Uh, it's almost like they realized their funding was running out. So let's wrap this up and make it good. And when I looked over at Cammy, she goes, well, I guess we'll have to find a new series. And I said, yeah, but I'm going to let somebody else do this because 
I keep picking ones that turn out dark. And after a while, I'd like to have something, um, something a little happier, something a little upbeat somewhere. We did watch, if you have, uh, I think it's Netflix, um, uh, it could be Amazon Prime, I don't remember. Uh, there's a, um, a movie called Troop Zero. And at first, it's not something I would look to be interested in. Um, Jim Gaffigan is in it, and Jim Gaffigan is probably my favorite comedian. But Jim Gaffigan is also an incredible actor. And people don't know this. He has played a villain before, which is beyond chilling. But in Troop Zero, it's about a little girl who will not allow people to stop her being optimistic. And uh, they, they join a troop. There is some language in it. Um, and I find, in fact, all of the language that's in it is actually there for a purpose. But it's, a, it's this redeeming story at the end. It's very difficult for a while, but it becomes redeeming. And sadly, Netflix then th believes all I want to watch are movies about little girls dreaming their dreams. And so that's the only, I, I don't go back to Netflix anymore. Um, but where are you putting your eyes? We felt like we were watching too much dark. We needed to see something else now. Used to be you could take a break and watch sports, morally neutral <laughs> as a rule. Um, but we can't do that now. In fact, yesterday we turned on television and there on the golf channel, I think was, was a 20 year old championship I'd never heard of. And I said, and that's where we're getting to the bottom of the barrel is if you find yourself sitting watching this. What are you watching? Where are your eyes? Now we all know that I'm really making this a very one dimensional instead of a three dimensional. So let's go to the three dimensional. It's not just about where you put your eyes. Your eyes are the lamp of the body. What are you thinking? about. Um, my sermons are not topical because they're recorded ahead of time and I always want to focus on Jesus. Had I preached today, I would have brought up um, the murder of, of uh, Ahmad uh, Aubrey. And it, it, everything I see looks like a murder. Um, I've, had, I, I've seen Twitter, uh, which is a living cesspool. And I've seen him say, well, he trespassed on a construction site. Every male in America trespasses on construction sites. We want to see what they're building. And it's not a capital offense. I've had other people say, well, he had a hammer in his pocket. I don't, you don't chase down a man and shotgun him. You just don't. It's wrong. I'm a man who owns weapons. I have license to carry weapons. And everything I see about this horrifies me. But what horrifies me even more is that this took place February 23rd. And no charges, nothing were filed. It never made the news, not until very recently. It, it breaks my heart to think of this because it, it didn't just happen on that day. Men who will chase down a black man because he doesn't belong in our neighborhood arming themselves first and then confronting him with weapons, what are they sitting around thinking about? What kind of light is in their body? What kind of darkness has to be in your body before you even start this whole chain of decision tree that gets you out with your, your firearm shooting a man? 
it's, um, do I know all the facts? You know, I don't re really need to, to be honest. I just don't need to know all the facts. I know the terminal facts and there's nothing about this that looks good. But it didn't start on February 23rd. It started in people's hearts a long time before uh, Ahmad took a jog through that neighborhood. And I think we need to understand that what we sit, what we feed our brain, what we read, what we watch, but more what we dwell on and the little precious beliefs that we hold on to have a consequence. There's a consequence to this. If I'm um, inside thinking about the inadequacies of, of my wife, you know, whether you know, her looking, her cooking, or whatever she's doing, there's a consequence to that. Even if she never knows, there's a consequence because my behavior will go off eventually into another, uh, into an evil area, or I will merely be retaining and holding back good, which could be flowing through our lives because of hidden resentment. Jesus warns us that rather than directing our eyes out, we need to be looking in and seeing who we are and the cost of being who we are and the cost of our beliefs. There is a cost. And um, I could go on because it, this is something which has upset me quite a bit. But he says, you know, get the light. Make sure, and the phrase, look at this. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. There are so many ways this could have been phrased. Make sure you don't fill yourself with darkness. Make sure you don't watch a lot of darkness. That was what I was doing with the one-dimensional thing there. But isn't it terrifying that what some people call light in themselves is really darkness. And they're proud of their darkness because they think it is light. This is one of the reasons why I am obstinate, stubborn, and I will die on this hill, that our worship services must always be about Jesus and not about us. They must always be about our Lord and Savior, not about our holidays, our cultures, our traditions, um, our, our unique nature. You know, I've had, I don't know how many times I've had people in our tribe, the Church of Christ, come up and say, but if we, if we stop doing this and now we do this, how will we be different from all the others? And I've looked at them and I've said, do you understand what you're saying? You're saying, I can't be a denomination if I just follow Jesus. I can't denominate myself. Yeah, let's, let's do the filling each other with Jesus thing. Let's just do the Jesus thing. I got in trouble, not for the first time. <clears throat> when I first moved to Rochester, Michigan, it was in December 2011, uh, 2001, sorry, 2001, um, and I walked in the building and there was an American flag on the podium. And I turned to the secretaries that were showing me around and I said, how long has that been up there? And they said forever. And I said, we're gonna take that off. Now, do I love America? I think that's rather obvious that I do. Uh, do we have blood in the game? Yeah, we got blood in the game for America. We've got people serving it. But when I come in to worship the Lord, I'm not putting a national symbol beside me. I'm not confusing this. I don't want us to sing um, patriotic songs, although, let me pull back a bit. 
some songs like God Bless America are more of a prayer than a triumphal marching type. I'll never forget, however, when I was visiting a church once and one of my Scottish friends came. I, I was a teenager, he was a teenager, and I was going to school here for a year or so. Um, and he came to visit, and during the worship, I think it was July 4th, it might have been Memorial Day, I don't, whatever it was. Most of the songs in the book that we were singing were American Patriot hymns. And he turned to me about three songs in and he goes, what, what am I supposed to do here? And it, it, I never, never forgot that. It, we focus on Jesus. Um, and I got in trouble because it was an elder's wife who'd put the flag there. Her father had served in the Marine Corps and he'd brought it home with him. Um, and you know me and Marines, there's no disrespect there. She was furious with me. I thought I might get fired in my first month. I said, no national symbols. We do not confuse who we worship. I have to remind myself of that all the time though, because I was born into a culture. I assume my culture's good. I have to make sure that the light in me is truly light, not darkness. And this is where I would so much love um, for us to be in the same room where we could hash out some of these things. But we need to, um, we're not the people that say my country right or wrong. We're not the people that vote for our guy right or wrong. We don't do that. We are Christians. We are different. And yes, to go back to the sermons of my youth, that will make you stand out. Uh, it'll also get you shot from both sides. I just want to, if ever you walk to the middle of the, of the road, you will get shot from both sides. But it's okay. We live forever with Jesus. It's going to be okay. We have to be our whole body full of light, no part of it dark. Do you have dark corners in your life? I, I do. And I have to fight continually to try to get light in those corners. My besetting sins aren't going to be yours. Um, I, I lived through the 60s and 70s without ever trying any illegal drug. And that's not a bragging, it's because I wasn't interested. Um, the only time I kind of got interested was when they showed us a movie at high school to make sure we didn't take drugs. And the movie was full of Jimi Hendrix movie and music really cool music and lots of color. And I'm going, well, maybe. But then I realized, you know, I'm not sure what, what lives in my brain, but probably poking it with a stick would not be wise. So I've never been, I've never been tempted that way. I've never had a cigarette in my life. Um, I was very tempted to be a pipe smoker because I thought that looked cool, but I never actually did. Does that make me better than the person that smokes four packs a day? Not a bit. I have darkness in me that I keep trying to light. And you will find in Jesus's teaching an emphasis on finding your faults, your darkness, and working on that rather than going around trying to find it in others. And we lost that somewhere down the road, did we not? We thought it was us to correct the world when Jesus says, no, you only get to correct the world when you don't need correcting anymore. I am not to that point. Uh, I have to guard. Um, 
I won't go into details here, but it was just a couple of years ago I said something when a young lady came up to me and she said, are you aware that that's offensive? And I went, no, no, I don't mind offending if I was trying to, but <laughs> no. And she, it was, it was just, it was just a phrase that she felt was misogynist. I thanked her for it. Uh, inside, I was justifying myself and thinking she was quite silly. I had to tamp that down so I could listen. And I remember after about an hour or so, I went online on Facebook and I said, I'm not a racist, but I might be. I'm not a misogynist, but I might be. I'm not a hater, but I might be. If you see any of that coming out in me, be a friend and let me know. It was stunning to me how many people put me too on that. A whole lot saying, you know, there are dark corners. We work on us. We don't, we don't go tell others what to be. We show them who we are in Jesus Christ. It's the only effective way. It really is. Preaching is just not going to do it. Um, but here, um, there's, there's more here, by the way. He's going to go right back into the theme. If you have any questions or comments, the chat box is off the side. You can just click it down below on the bottom of your screen. Uh, type it in, or you can unmute yourself and, um, and ask the question. Um, you can't throw a rock at me because it doesn't work that way on Zoom. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. Um, Jesus does a lot of things that I'm not sure I would have done. And we often think about, well, you know, he, he hung out with the publicans and sinners, and I'm going the other way. When a, hyper, a guy from a hyper-religious conservative group says, hey, you want to come eat? I'm all, no, I, I, I really would rather not. But Jesus, I like it. He was invited, so he went. This is not a shock that Jesus is a better man than I am, by the way. Um, but it still shames me a bit at how, oh, all right. So they reclined at table. By the way, you reclined at table. Um, the, it was a custom of the day, and that's a big part of it. They thought your food digested better if you were horizontal. Plus, you reclined with your head toward the table and your feet away. It, you're a barefoot or barely bare, uh, shod people in a dirt and uh, manure-filled world. So even with your feet washed, that part of your garment, whatever, those feet go the other direction. So it's not like they're laying you know, longitudinally around a table so you can only get two or three. Their heads go in. And this is another reason why eating at somebody's right was a thing of, of um, honor because you would generally raise yourself up on your left arm to eat and so you're facing the person on this side. Um, so there are, there are a lot of reasons for this, but that's why he's reclining. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. This is when little kids see this and go, yes, and um, doctors Fauci and Bricks might be going, no, or Burks rather, might be going, no, um, and I'm being facetious. This is almost certainly not a hygiene washing. Um, there's no indication that Jesus walked around caked with filth. 
this was the ceremonial washing. This would be like going to a member of the church's house, got two or three families together. They set the table and they said, well, let's just eat. And you will see several people sit back like, this is a test. You know, um, maybe we should be saying a prayer first. And usually if somebody suggested, it's kind of like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 prayer first. And then, have you ever been to one of these? And maybe it's just me being raised in a tribe I was in. Happened all the time. You had the meal and then you, you adjourned somewhere else in the room or in the house. And then a couple hours later, maybe, they brought out the dessert and everyone froze again. Like, did that first prayer cover this one? What is the time elapsed? Now, if an elder said it, does it last longer than, and, and, uh, you might think, no, but you know, Patrick's just having you on. No, these discussions went on to where sometimes we thought, you know, maybe we'd better pray. That phrase was used. Maybe we'd better pray again. Just as a, as a guest in your home, if you feel you need to pray twice before I eat your cake, I'm concerned about your cake. Do you know why we pray before our meals? And don't, don't try to out-Jesus me here and say, well, we do that because we're thankful. No, we do that because of tradition, because of the story of the people in dying with the meat in their mouth because they started eating without thanking Jesus. They didn't know Jesus without thanking God. I'm pretty sure that was a one-off. When I was a boy, anybody, anybody take a little bite of something before the prayer, my dad would, would say, what are you, a Baptist? You need to understand that we were absolutely certain the Baptists knew they weren't going to make it. They were just pretending so that they could have an organ and, and the church. Um, I'm, I, I would ridicule that ignorance, except that I'm certain I still have at least as much ignorance today as then, just about different things. These, this prayer was a pharisaical thing. And they were known for this, by the way. They would pray on at great length, but as they prayed, they'd go to one of these big jars, like Jesus turning the water to wine out of jars like that, 20, 30 gallons each. And they would dip their hands, and as they prayed, uh, as, as the water dripped off the left arm, they had one prayer. And then you'd go again, and as the water dropped off this arm, they had another prayer. It's very, it was almost a liturgical uh, sort of thing. And then you would go in to eat, and Jesus, didn't do that. Um, they, that froze him. I, I find it interesting, verses 38 to 39, there is, um, there is no mention to Jesus. Um, do you, do you, just, you just don't do the washing thing? And so this could be another one of those times where Jesus just read the room and knew what was going on. Half of his people didn't turn off their video, so he could read the room. Then Jesus said to him, the Lord said to them, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who make the outside make the inside also? I love that. That's just an amazing. But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. We don't have this kind of backstory. He knew what their life had been like, and evidently 
they had not been caring for the poor. I received a book um, from Bill Russell once uh, years ago, and in it he had signed, Patrick, don't forget the poor. And that was just his passion, the poor. Evidently, there'd been some forgetting the poor going on. It could very well be because of the traditions of the time. Uh, we need to do this as well, second time, right. I hope you don't think these are rabbit holes. These really all do apply somehow. Um, generally, your meal would be outside unless you were very, very wealthy. Uh, the Bible uh, character John Mark was very, very wealthy. We know him in history. His mother uh, was widowed and they owned several large properties in North Africa as well as in and around Jerusalem. They were fabulously wealthy for their time. So they would have had indoor spaces for which to dine. Most everybody else didn't do that. They dined outside in a courtyard. Um, have you ever watched House Hunters International? And people will say, here's our wet kitchen and here's our inside kitchen, here's our hot kitchen. They have two different places because in some of these hot humid countries, you don't want to cook inside. So it's outside. It always fascinates me. People are moving across, they know their budget, they're, they're going to move there for a job and they're surprised at prices and surprised that Europeans have small refrigerators. I'm going, there's an internet now. You can look this stuff up before you commit to a job, regardless. They would have been outside almost certainly, unless this Pharisee was fabulously wealthy, reclining at table and poor people will be lining the, the low wall or the boundary of the property waiting for whatever's left over. Because the rules were, were the rules. And the Pharisees, by the way, did obey these rules. The Pharisees in many ways were good guys. We just don't get a lot of that in, the, in our, our reading but they would have been lined up waiting. Anything left over, whenever the people got up and left the table, they would come forward and uh, it was free. They could get it. If you remember in, in Luke, um, there was a story already about a woman that broke loose and she got to, the, got to the table, got to Jesus before she was supposed to go. And it's scandalous. Well, Jesus is more concerned about the poor than he is about everybody getting five and six courses or whatever it was. He sees them. And that's the operative word here. He sees them. It seems that the Pharisees in this group at least weren't paying attention. So he's gonna drive this home like a hammer and a nail. Um, Woe to you Pharisees because you give God a 10th of your mint, rue and all kinds of garden herbs but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. There is hyperbole in this. Um, there, it would be very, very difficult to exactly tithe garden herbs. But he's saying, you really give it a go to make sure God gets a tenth. And what he didn't say was, that he doesn't get an 11, you know, a, a ninth. He doesn't get 10.5%, he gets just that 10th. He says, but you, you've forgotten justice and the love of God. And justice is what I was talking about a while ago. 
with driving up and grabbing your shotguns and that's not justice it just is not um and by the way i've had people say well this is what you get with stand your ground laws no stand your ground laws don't cover any of that not a bit um stand your ground laws were to reverse duty to flee britain still has everywhere a duty to flee if uh, bad guys come in with hatchets i have a duty in britain to get away i'm never given the right of self-defense uh, that's that's in the last 40 years that's been the rules in america there were duty to flee laws and so some states brought in stand your ground law has that been misused? I think we have seen it misused. Absolutely. I, my firearms aren't for shooting people. I like shooting paper. I don't even hunt. And I have, it just appalls me the thought of, would you shoot somebody for stealing your stuff? No, no. I do believe in the right of self-defense, but not defending my TV. I think there's gotta be a line there somewhere, justice somewhere. We've got to follow the law somewhere. It's, um, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Justice and the love of God. You should have practiced. And here's the thing. He doesn't get them off the hook. He doesn't say, if you practice justice and the law of God, God's not all that concerned about the wee things off to the side. Um, you know, that's, um, that's not true. He's still concerned about the little things comment here he's really winning friends at this luncheon yeah he's gotten in their face at this one it's almost like you you might say jesus you're a guest and his response would probably be you knew who i was when you asked me in your house you get me because you invited me i am um, i can remember going back to rochester michigan uh, i can see this now because many years and um personnel has changed about three months in one of the elders during an elder meeting started a sermon against me he hated humor he felt humor was just wrong and especially in the pulpit he went on and on and then at the very end and several of the others were very embarrassed they were putting their heads around like this and um so he said i need you to stop that and not use that anymore got very quiet in the room I just leaned forward and went, no. And he blinked a bit. He looked around. And before he could say anything else, I said, I said his name. Then I said, who do, who do you think you hired? Jesus could have said the same thing here. By the way, I wasn't being a jerk. This guy had some issues. Uh, good man. He's gone to see Jesus now. And I'm sure, um, I'm sure he's loosened up quite a bit. <laughs> but, we are all a product of, of where we came from. And, and, and he's, like I said, a good guy. He, I went golfing with him once. Once. He didn't like humor on the golf course either. And frankly, if you don't like humor on the golf course, you shouldn't swing like he did. Because that was just flipping hilarious. It's like watching a man trying to put on a shirt while being attacked by bees. It was, it was anyway, moving on. Um, a thing of beauty, so it was. Do the hard work. What do you Pharisees? Because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you because oof, you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. 
Now, we don't get that. We don't get that. Here's what that meant. A Jew touching a grave or a dead body was unclean until they went away and went through the rituals. We all, we've read Leviticus. We know how this works. Deuteronomy, also. We know how this works. He is saying, because you are unclean, you make other people unclean just by being around them. You are like an unmarked grave that you're making people unclean and they don't even know it. Oh, this is not the roughest he's going to be. Do you remember in Matthew when he talks to them, he says, you, you search all over and you, and you make your convert twice the citizen of hell that you are. And he call, it's just, and John the Baptist calls them snakes and sons of snakes. Uh, by the way, I've had people say, so we can say that too. No, no, Jesus and John the Baptist had the right to do what they did. Holy Spirit was with them. They've told us what we are to do. And my, I'm, the whole point here is not to make you feel bad about Pharisees. Because again, Pharisees were the good guys in many ways. The point here is for us to say, are we neglecting justice and the love of God? Are we forgetting the poor? Which, just um, got to say, Fourth Avenue, you, you stun me. You blow me away with who you are and what you do. And when the shepherds told you we were facing a very real emergency, once we were shoved out of the building with the giving, you responded. You, you, and, and it is not hard. I, I'm sorry. It's not easy to respond when there's 14% unemployment and it might go up. But you did. And I'm just, wow. Not one of our missionaries has to be cut off. Not one of our staff has to be fired. That is stunning. Thank you. Thank you. And GraceWorks, went, uh, they had that fundraiser. Did you see how much that fundraiser went up? They were heading here. They, this is their target. They'd hit it by 9.30 in the morning. So they doubled it, and they hit that one. And that wasn't just Fourth Avenue. But praise God, people weren't forgetting the poor even now. And I, I, I just have to, kudos where kudos are earned. Don't be the kind of person that makes other people unclean with your attitude and your teaching, is what he's saying. And um, that's, that's kind of terrifying for somebody who makes their living talking about Jesus. Um, a lady yesterday sent me a picture of cassette tapes, worn out, like barely readable. Patrick Mead, you know, Secrets to a Happy Family Life. And I'm going, oh dear, I have no idea what I said back then, but I really wish that would have burned in a house fire. Um, and she didn't give me her address, so I have no recourse now at all. Jesus replied, and you, experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourself will not lift one finger to help them. Oh my goodness. There's, there's no way to, to talk about these things without people think you're going political. Um, I think all of us should be aware by now uh, that you have committed felonies. Uh, it's, it's impossible to not commit felonies in your life. Uh, most likely financial felonies. Um, I mean, I was playing golf with, with um, 
a group of friends and one of them used to be an IRS agent and now he was a CPA. And one of my friends found a quarter and he said, hey, found a quarter, I'm ahead, put it in his pocket. And my friend, John, John Lester was his name. He's with Jesus now too. A lot of my friends are with Jesus and I have an alibi for every one of them. Uh, John Lester turned to him and said, you know, you, you have to claim that on your, your taxes. And, and all of us froze because we knew that was probably true. And we also knew it wasn't going to happen. That's, um, if you call the IRS four times for, on a tax question, you'll get four different answers. We know this. We all understand this. All right. It's too complex. Our laws are so complex. And sadly, the very ones that enforce them don't think they apply to themselves. And I can talk about governors who get haircuts, mayors who get to go exercise in parks and at the gym, and we can do all of this other. And one uh, mayor caught, turned, saying, but I'm the face of this city. Oh, really? <laughs> the laws that apply to the others don't apply to you. Now, that's fascinating. And it's wrong at every level. So I, my response would be ease up on the laws rather than, you know, force them to, to hold on to them. Because did you notice the freezing there? He doesn't say the laws are bad. The laws are terrible. He says these burdens they can hardly carry and you don't lift a finger to help them. Now, does that mean that the laws and the burdens they could barely carry are just fine? No, they might be. But if you have to help other people carry the laws you created or enforced or demand upon, you develop, there's the word, empathy. And the empathy might make you roll things back. I remember in churches where if, if you were divorced and remarried and you wanted to place membership, we wouldn't let you. Um, we drove you off that because, and we felt righteous doing so. I've had, um, I'm, you know, I've always talked about my dad. I'm going to go over to Cammy now. Uh, some of her relatives were even bragging to us that that time, you know, it was a hard thing because they were a great family, but we found out that he had been married before, you know, divorced a year later and been married to this woman for 20 years or so, but still it was, wasn't for the reason of adultery. So we had to tell him, no, you can't be members here. And they were bragging about it. Um, stunning. We, most of our churches did that until some of the elders' kids got divorced. And all of a sudden, empathy. Now, I'm not making fun of them for loosening it up. It is a human thing to not empathize until you're forced to. I would just hope that we wouldn't have to be forced into it. Um, on Twitter, I've seen several uh, suggestions on how black people should respond to this murder. And again, I know, I know innocent until proven. I get all that, everything I see, all right? That, I'll just put it that way. I would suggest that black people probably don't need help from white people to know how to process this. That it might be more valuable for white people to shut up and listen a bit.
Uh, I've actually sought out black preachers online to listen to their sermons after this. And um, it's, it's, been, it's been a little, um, I've been shamed more than once. Uh, I, I, want to be an, I want to be empathetic, but I have to work at it. Other people don't. You know, I'm looking down, looking down. I don't see her name here. You know, Brittany Morgan is one of those who I think empathize no matter what you are or where you are. You know, she just, that's who she is. Um, with me, it's work, but I don't want to be one of these people. So I got to, I got to empathize. I got to think. And that means I got to listen. Um, check in the time. We've only got a couple minutes more to go. And I'm not going to um, not going to get that last bet here, because we can do that next week, starting at verse 47. Let's um, let's all read this one though again, and then apply it. Politically, do not belong to either side. Do not let either any argument on Twitter or Facebook pull you one way or the other. Um, I will say, I will, now that I've said that, let me just, let me just, please, quit sharing the pandemic video. Everything in it is wrong. So many false assertions. We don't really need that. I've had other people share a letter from Trey Gowdy that Trey Gowdy had published back in February. I didn't write this. You know, this, let's quit sharing stuff to win our points. Instead, let's listen to the other people and see what we can do to help them carry whatever burdens they've got. All right? Our job isn't to fix them. Any, any last words you want to say before I send you away? Dean's class stays around and talks like 20 minutes. What's wrong with these people? Could I say one thing? Please. Uh, of when we're talking about darkness within us, Yes. I think it, the hardest lie that for us to detect is the lie we tell ourselves. Yes. We, we, we can detect lies from other people. You know, we can tell when they're lying. But we convince ourselves of things, and it's the truth. You know, it's never a lie. So the lie that we tell ourselves is the one we can't detect. That's probably the wisest thing that has been said this entire hour. Thank you. Anybody else want to top the, the, uh, the teacher? Because you sure did, Brent. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. All right. Happy Mother's Day. Go enjoy your life. God bless you. Thank you, Trace, for hanging about and hosting this today. And God bless you all. We will see each other again one day. But when it's safe, when it's right, and when love allows, we'll do that. All right? Cheery bye.